Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. Special shout out and thank you to the newsstand studio here at Rock Center in New York City. This is the That's What He Said series, part three, brought to you by Patreon. Now, Patreon is an online community that allows people who love podcasts, I don't know, podcasts like the Refined Collective, They allow you to support us financially, help us keep our lights on, pay our teams, get our admin work all done and ready to go. You can go to patreon.com slash the refined collective to learn more about how you can support the refined collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. It would mean so very much to us. Now, last week on the That's What He Said series, we had LA fitness and health coach, Jared Nickerson. We talked all about how to let him know you're interested and you might be surprised what he has to say. So if you didn't hear it, after you listen to this conversation, go back to the archives, listen to that one. Now, this week, we have another one from the archives. My conversation with worship pastor Jeff Johnson from Passion City Church, Atlanta. We talk all about how to create a culture of honor in dating. Now, Jeff Johnson has been leading worship and writing songs for the church for over a decade. You can find his music on iTunes, including the songs Ruin Me, Glorious Day, and one of Jeff's most recent co-writes, How Can It Be, was recorded by Lauren Daigle. Um, I think you've probably heard of her. And earned him two Dove Award wins, including Song of the Year at the 2015 GMA Dove Awards. Jeff and his wife, Jordan, who we talk about a lot in this episode, recently moved to Atlanta with their son, Case, and daughter, Aiden, to be on staff with Passion City Church as one of their worship leaders. His love for the church and the Passion Movement have found a perfect fit in Atlanta, Georgia, and is a dream for their family. All right, let's talk about how to create a culture of honor in dating. What's up, Jeff? Hi. How's it going? going good how's life in atl it is busy and uh yeah. very awesome. lots of good things happening at our church um here at passion yeah. church and constantly on the move but uh it is really good stuff and you you and jordan have two of the cutest kiddos ever and they have this like crazy mixture of looking i feel like they look exactly like both of you <laughs> yes everybody's <laughs> But everybody also says our son looks like a mini me of me. So um, it's true. It's pretty crazy. And does um, does he have your personality? Um, he does. He's very sensitive. He cries a lot. Oh. <laughs> and then our girl is like, she's she's three. He's five. But so she's mm-hmm. the only one. But she is super confident and like just always cool like just gonna go with it like jordan and so yeah we're it's kind of sad i'm kind of sad for our boy that he got my personality <laughs> now i feel like the big question is do your kids like reba mcintyre oh i mean <laughs> i have not actually given them the greatness yet they're not old enough to handle that yet like they need they're to- too young for fancy yeah it's gonna be like when they turn 13 when they become a teenager, <laughs> it's gonna be like the hello welcome to our world Instead of like a bar mitzvah, they're going to have like a Reba party, like a coming of age. A fancy party. That's right. (laughs) They're like, what does it mean? Daddy knows. You don't. (laughs) One of my like 
first distinct memories of you. And I like remember you and Jordan. So contacts for you listening. I'm from Dallas and we went to the same church, but I was like in college and you guys were like on tour doing worship leader stuff. Yeah. So I remember you guys like being around here and there, but I didn't really know you. And then a few years ago, Jordan was leading worship at a women's conference that I was speaking at and you were there. Yeah. And I, my like most distinct memory of you is like belting out Reba McIntyre. Well, I really enjoyed that week because I had (laughs) responsibilities and I was more just the entertainer with the the Mm. women's conference and getting to hang out with everybody. So that was fun for me. You're the hype guy. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm so excited to dig into these questions and um, I feel like your story with, Jordan is so interesting and unique. So I'm just excited to dive into that. So I figured the first question that I want to ask you is, do guys develop attraction over time or does it have to be there from the get-go? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, we're in it. Uh, Yeah, I think like, so just context, Jordan and I dated 10 years. And so we had three major breakups over those 10 years. Um, The significant one was at year eight, we broke up for two years after a day of eight years, um, off and on. And then we got back together and got married, uh, right when we got back together. But, um, all that to say, I mean, Jordan and I's relationship has looked very different than a lot of relationships. And I think the thing that I have, um, my attraction for Jordan, yes, I think she's beautiful. And like, that's, that's, that was like an initial, like, I thought Jordan was very beautiful. So I think that's very important to, to see that. But honestly, like over the years, there's certain things and characteristics of hers that, that made me more attracted to her. For example, when we would break up, um, Jordan knew everything about my life because we went really deep. I mean, it, we were best of friends and super close. And even though we broke up, the, I think the turning point for me, just another level of attraction for Jordan and just seeing her in a different light was after we had been broke up, the, those last two years we got back together and I was talking to one of her closest girlfriends. I referenced something that I had struggled through and walked through and she didn't know anything about it. And it made, and I was like, wait, Jordan never talked about that. And what I realized in that moment was Jordan's character. Like she had, she knew that like that was my information to share, not hers. Mm. And she had every right to like destroy me, speak bad about me. And Mm. that girl like did not say anything and held my story to my, to, for me. And what I say that because when talking about attraction, yes, I think it's physical, but then I think like there's a, something to be said for a girl who is going to, her character speaks louder than like her beauty to me. Mm. I, I mean, Jordan and I are going to get old. We're going to, our looks are not going to be there. It's like, <laughs> we're going to like, all that's going to change. And so for me, when I was thinking about who do I want to like tether my life to for forever, mm there's just somebody like that with that kind of character that I'm like, that is attractive to me. That's mm-hmm. it like made me go, all right, like I've been an idiot. Like this is, she's, we've had this time and God has proven with her that she is like trustworthy, amazing. And her character is insane. And so like, mm-hmm. that for me, like that, that was so much more attractive than like, I mean, at the end of the day, like more attractive than her beauty of going, this girl, I want to be with her forever because of that. Not just because mm-hmm. she's really, um, and, and, and I needed to see that in our relationship. Like I needed to, to walk some hard things with her to get there. And what were those two years like 
when you were apart? Like, were you guys dating other people? Was it like, yeah. were you guys in con- like communication? Was it like, we're done for good? And then yeah. what was that like? This is probably where we could talk forever because I was like the guy who like, well, so we broke up after year eight. And when we broke up, I was in my mind, I'm like, I just need to work on some things. Like I need to get some things right in my life. I need to, and, and she does too. And so when, when we do that, like we'll get back together. Well, I was just an idiot because Jordan is like, we've dated eight years. I have to like, let go of this. Like I have to move on. Mm-hmm. So Jordan moved on and she started dating another guy and dated him for a while. And, um, but even in that she was respectful and like, this may be weird for some to hear, but like she had called me and said, Hey, I just want you to know, like you're leading worship this weekend at our church. The guy's on staff. I don't want you to find out and be thrown into that right before you step up to lead people in worship. So like, she was always respectful of that. And that was not like a hurt way for her to be like, Hey, do you still interested? Cause I'm going to date this guy. It was like disrespect, but she dated this guy and, and I took a girl out a couple of times and it, it wasn't really dating, but like, we just kind of like started moving our own way. The, the way that that worked though, those, the, those two years, what God did was, I think we had to, I, I know for me, I had to get to the place where I was not trying to modify my behaviors for Jordan because that would never last. I would, I knew that what those two years were, was God saying to me, like, you've got to get where everything you're doing is for, to please me, not to please Jordan. Because if you're, if, if I'm looking to him as like the author of my life and the one who can do anything in my life. And, and like, that's, that's the one, that's the most valuable relationship. I needed to really look at that and go, okay, like everything that I'm, uh, every struggle, every sin, everything that I'm trying to work through needs to be about God and me being going, okay, like I want to do the best I can for, for God, not because not for Jordan, because if I do it for Jordan, she's always going to let me down. I'm going to let her down because we're just human. So like I needed to work towards that being the ultimate in, in my life of, you know, correcting and doing what I needed to do with where I was at that moment. But, um, it was a lot of refining and a lot of getting to the place of like, okay, like if I'm single for a while more or forever, who knows if I, if this doesn't work out, like I'm going to be fine because God and I are good. Like mm-hmm. I know for her, she had, she came to that realization too. In those two years, it was like for her just going, Hey, I'm, I've let him go. I've let him go. He's, and, and and I'm just going to like focus on my relationship with the Lord and see him as enough and see that he is a perfect father who loves me and I'm, I can rest in that. And I don't need to worry about where he's at or what he's doing, but she had to get to that point. And that relationship so much stronger when we, when we got back together, it, we weren't looking at each other going, Hey, like, please don't do that for me or don't do, you know, like, we had a different base to walk in after years. Mm-hmm. So those, those were really defining years for us. And so what was the breaking point? Like, how did you get back together? Yeah. Well, it was just really, uh, the just the way that it happened was um, just the Lord's timing. After two years, she started moving on, leading worship on her own with her band. And she, uh, and I was doing the same. And we were, we were booked in Oklahoma at the same, like a couple blocks down the street at two different churches. And our bands were friends. Oh man. So our bands were like connect, communicating. They're like, Hey, we want to see you. Let's hang out. But I don't know about Jeff and Jordan. And so like, then they like texted us and said, Hey, would y'all be cool if we got together? And at that point we were just like, we felt really good. Both of us, like later when we talked about, we're like, we felt really good on the fact of like, okay, like 
it, it's fine to see her. Like we hadn't seen each other a whole lot, but like, it was like, it's going to be fine. Like our bands are all there. It's just a quick lunch. Like we're grabbing lunch all together. Mm-hmm. And, and so we got together and I walked out of that lunch and I got back in the van and we started driving back to Texas with my guys. And I was like, at that point, all the van had walked through everything. They had been so involved and they were like, I just said, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, I, that's the girl that I want to be with. Like, I, I, what am I, it was like a light bulb came on and we were driving home and I was like, I've got to like reach out and talk to her again. I've got to like step back in because there's no one ever that's going to be as great as her. And I just need to like do this. And so I ended up um, texting her and asking her if we could meet up. She was pretty frustrated because she thought that that was meant, oh gosh, something went wrong over the, the that lunch or like, hey, let's talk about, let's talk more about why we, the way we acted at lunch or something. And she was like, I don't, I, she did not want to talk. She mm-hmm. was like, I'll meet with you at Starbucks. Let's go sit together. And we did. And I got to walk in and say, hey, like, I've, I know I've led you through a lot of heartache. I know that like your fam- family has lost trust in me. I know that I've ruined a lot over the last 10 years. But I'm telling you that God has done a miracle of my life. And I want you to know that like, I want to be with you. And I'm, and, and that means marriage. Like I defined it right away. So it wasn't another like ambiguous, like, okay, how much longer then would we like be doing this dating thing? There was no more dating to be done because we knew everything about each other at that point. And so we just stepped back in and it took her about two weeks later when she got back from a trip and called me and said, Hey, I'm willing to talk and let's meet up. And then six months later we were married. So, wow. But she needed to see that I was a very different person. Like she mm-hmm. needed to see that because I had really like not led our relationship well at all. For the and how did you show that to her? Like, cause I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround time of showing her like proving or I don't know what you were doing, but like, can maybe you can give like a couple like specific examples of what it meant. I think what I heard and what you just said is you are super clear from that first date. Like I am looking to for marriage here with you, but um, what are some other things? Yeah. yeah. During that time. For sure. Being intentional, like was the biggest thing. Cause up to that point, it had been a lot of like, let's date, have fun. Like we were best friends, like hanging out all the time. And it was like, I just like, I don't, I, the marriage thing was like, I didn't really want to step into that. Now through counseling and a lot of other things later, I realized that I had like that case for like came out of a lot of like, for me, uh, never having seen like a marriage modeled really, really well that I wanted to be in one. Mm. And I learned that and then kind of step into some, look at some different marriages that were like, this is a really great, healthy thing. Like the guys, the, the girl's not dominating the guy. Like, cause that had been like a, like a thing for me. Like I was like in marriage, like I just dominate the girl and the guy just kind of like submits to the, the wife. Like those mm-hmm. are the examples that I had. So like I needed, I had worked through all that. But just being intentional with her and saying like, hey, I want to, I do want to be married. And um, other things like I just, a lot of things that I had put into place that I had not before that were the guys around me, the community of guys around me, like my band, I had opened up and shared everything with the guys that I was walking closely with, which I think is crucial for a guy in a relationship Mm. because he can't be looking at his girlfriend, wife, whatever as the end all say all like we need community God designed us for community. And so like having guys around me that knew all of my struggles and my issues and were, and were the ones pushing me, you know, so that Jordan knew that when, if, if something went bad, I didn't, I had people around me that were going to like push me and 
like be a, be a safe place for me to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that was different. So she saw that she thought, Oh, this now Jeff has like these guys and this community around him. Um, I had gone to counseling for a lot of that. And that was just another way of showing her like, Hey, like I'm humbling myself. I'm not too good to like say, I don't need to be worked on because I knew that I had a lot of issues to work through and I knew I needed help with that. So like, mm-hmm. um, I had gone to a counselor and she, she saw that and then really just like, I mean, the biggest thing I, that over all of it was just being intentional with talking to her about what my, what, where we were heading. And a lot of guys are, there's guys that I know that are really great with that from the beginning. They're like, Hey, like, hey, I'm going to take you out. This is just a date. Like I'm not, this is, let's just get to know each other. And then like, they're communicating that I just wasn't that guy. I had not had that model for me. I didn't have any examples of that. So I was just like, fine for the ride. It was like, what are we doing? You know, like mm. so that, that was the difference when we got back together after that eight years. And when we started talking or 10 years, but yeah. So I think those are some things that changed. Yeah. So I think when you, when you're talking about that communication piece, like that really stands out to me, like the being intentional and, I think you hit on something really interesting. You said like you had never seen that or that had, you hadn't been taught that. And I hear this energy and attitude from a lot of women of like this, almost this like entitlement of like, why won't he just man up? Like, why won't he lead me? And this, this demand that I can only imagine feels like really demotivating to hear as a guy or emasculating or painful. And I think as a woman, yeah, I want to be communicated with, but if that's not worth, what if he hasn't learned that? What would you say to a girl like dating a guy? Like maybe that hasn't been his background. Maybe he hasn't had someone show him like, oh, here's how you be clear with a girl. Like, would you say you should not date that guy then? Or what does it look like to have a conversation about that? Um, What would you, what would you say into that situation? I would say just for a girl to hear guys, I think a lot of girls might already hear this and know this, but like guys, their number one thing is they want to feel respected. They want to feel like respected and like they uh, carry weight in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot, but, and this is in no way an excuse for guys, but I, because every guy needs to man up and, and, and step into a relationship and actually like learn how to be the man in the relationship. But I do would, I would want girls to remember this is that guys are wounded. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that their dads were not leading them the best way and teaching them growing up. And it's, it isn't their fault, but like they still need to like figure that out and step into their role as, as a man and as a husband and as a leader of a family. But I would say that because I would want girls to hear, Hey, remember that you're dealing with a wounded person. So you're, you're wanting them to like fulfill your needs and give you everything and be intentional and all that. Like there needs to be this tug of war of like grace in that of like, Hey, you might be walking through some really hard things as you were stepping into this relationship or like talking and trying to figure out where we are because you haven't seen it modeled or because you have dad issues that like guys have because they just, their dads weren't like who they needed to be for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're still trying to figure out, how like they can they're questioning themselves can they really step into that kind of role mm-hmm. uh, and they don't they don't even believe it about themselves so there needs to be something that like they the girl almost is like helping them go hey i believe in you i believe that you can step into this i believe that you can be the guy 
that God wants you to be. And that's what Jordan did for me that changed me. Like without her saying that to me, I would not be the same today. Without her looking and saying, hey, God's best for you is to be a husband and like to, to be a leader. She was having to tell me that. Now that's kind of weird because like, I, I, but, I, but at the same time, like I did it. It's my, it was like my first big relationship. I didn't know like fully how that would play out. But I do think for girls to just step into like, hey, there needs to be like a grace of, you know, like this guy is wounded. This guy is dealing with something um, and, and they need to just walk with them in that as well as knowing that like they need to be the leader and and give them time for that. But I would just say like just extend grace to the guy that you're walking with because they are broken. Yeah. And even as you're explaining that, I like I feel like there's this undertone of like the girl entering the conversation from a place of I'm better than, or I'm at a higher place spiritually. I'm more evolved or I've done more work. And like, it's, it's like we, as a woman, we're like looking for a guy to be perfect, which in a sense is like, I'm looking for you to be God. Like I'm looking for you to do it perfectly, pursue me perfectly, lead me perfectly. And just as you're saying that, I'm like, aren't we all on the same playing field here? Like, isn't, isn't like equal playing field. Like you're saying, you know, the person you're dealing with is a wounded person. Well, so is, so am I, so is the girl. And I think it's been interesting doing these interviews with all these different guys because something I'm seeing that I hadn't seen before is there's a lot of pride in these questions. Like there's, I see hurt from a lot of women and I've asked a lot of these questions myself, but it just makes me wonder what would dating in Christian culture or just culture in general look like if we all came from the place of I have work to do. Yes. And I'm hurt. You're hurt. (laughs) I blow it every day. I'm going to blow it with you. You're going to blow it with me as opposed to like one strike, you're out. Because that's what it feels like. And that, well, that also like goes into your relationship, right? Because like you're going to get in a relationship and that guy is going to do something that he doesn't want to do. Honestly, like whether that's like if he looks at something online, or you know, there, there's there's a chance there is always the chance that this this person you're entering a relationship with is going to fail you or do something that feels so personal and like like they've let you down or something. But if you can come around it, we're like this is a lifelong process together. Like you're you're moving towards the Lord and I'm moving towards the Lord. And that's the number one thing. Like we're we got to both be going in the same tra- trajectory or like what's the point here? Like. We're moving in the same place and then side by side, we're like helping each other, like get there. And I think that's really important to like, remember that, like that we are really, we are all broken. Um, and, and, and that you're just going to have to like give that give and take walking through the relationship. But I also, one thing that you said that triggered something in my mind was I just, the reason I think that it's really hard too, is because we're not like that. It, it's not easy to be vulnerable. And so, both a guy and a girl to step into a relationship and you're getting to know this person and you're starting to like go deeper with like getting to hang with them and know them. Well, when it comes time for the vulnerable pieces to open up, like that's not an easy thing to do. But, but so there, there could get to this point where it's like this rub of like, well, he's not doing what I want him to do and she's not doing what I want her to do. But I just am a firm believer that underneath that layer, there's the level of vulnerability that if the first person decides to open up into that place, 
it, vulnerability creates vulnerability. So like if that one side opens, the other side opens. And that's, that's the lifelong journey of marriage for, for Jordan and I is like, we're constantly getting to new layers of like being vulnerable and talking and, um, and it's awesome, but it doesn't, it, it, it takes years to get to that comfortable place where you, you feel safe to do that. Like you have to create this safe place. It's tricky. You got to create the safe place where you're like, Hey, I'm a safe place for you. And we're creating a vulnerable space and I'm opening up like your character has to show that you're not going to share that information with others. And, you know, it's just vulnerability is the key in a relationship, but it's also the question of how, how vulnerable do you get from the beginning? Like you don't want to step on your first day and be like, so listen, I have some huge dad issues. Like it's like, you gotta like, that's just all wisdom. And I, but I think also that's where what I mentioned earlier, community comes in. Talk to community going, Hey, like, you know all this about me. At what point do you think that this is good to share this piece or like kind of walking that with your guys or your girls? And I think there's wisdom in that. I think the like collectively you go, okay, there's, there's some wisdom here of like when to share things. You may or may not know now, but I am writing a book. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. It's coming out in April of 2021, which is going to be here before we know it. For most of my life, it was easy for me not to have sex, but that was because my dating life looked more like the Sahara Desert than anything else. All of that changed when I moved to New York City. Many of the Christians I met were living with their boyfriends and having casual sex, and I began to ask if saving yourself for marriage was still a thing, or was it just some legalistic, antiquated Christian norm that was no longer relevant? As I started to dive into a journey of unpacking that question, I began to ask more questions. What does the Bible really say, if anything, about sex? What are we supposed to do as single people with our sexual desire? And practically speaking, what does dating look like in today's culture? And finally, what if we never get married? Then what? What are we supposed to do with our lives then? I talk about all of these things in my book, Sexless in the City, and I would love to keep you up to date on all things book-related, from book tour to joining my book launch team to special in-person events, God willing. So go ahead and go to bit.ly slash trw dash book so you can sign up to get all the updates you want and need about sexless in the city. A girl asked me last week, and I have this private Facebook group for single women, and she said, well, you know, I only, I made a commitment when I was 16 to only date for marriage. And like, I, so, and I was like, so how much have you dated? She's like, I've never dated anyone. And it reminded me, I feel like I grew up, even though I didn't grow up in the church, I grew up in Texas, which was like very much so Christian culture. And when I became a Christian, it was very much like that mentality of like, I remember when I was like 18, I was like, God, I'm not going to date another person until it's my husband. (laughs) And then I'm like, so then every single guy that looks my way, I'm like, is that my husband? He must be my husband. Um, and it just, what I hear in that is, I just feel like that's so much pressure. So much pressure. Like, even just like, when do I share? I mean, when do I share? Hey, I have a broken past with my dad, or I've struggled with X, Y, Z. Like, 
I feel like we don't put that pressure on our like platonic friendships or like girls to girls or I don't know what guy to guy friendships are, but we just get to know each other and there's like not that yeah. pressure of like, all right, like what does your quiet time look like? And how many books of the Bible have you read? Yeah. And, you know, are your intentions to marry me? If not, then why are we having this very first coffee date? And I'm like, as a, as a woman, I can see, I don't know what it's like in your church, but a lot of what I hear in New York and the different women I've talked to is they're like, guys don't want to ask girls out in my church. Yep. And I'm like, well, no wonder <laughs> you're yeah. like, you're like, well, do you want to marry me? And I'm like, well, how in the heck would you know that after one day you might, but I think maybe, I think that would probably be the exception, not the rule. Um, but just as you're talking about like how to be vulnerable, I just see this like pattern of like, it's like, we're, we're going to date one and it is like, you better know you're going to marry me. And I'm like, I just, I don't think that's working right, for us. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause it just, it, it's like striving for that level of perfection from the top is so much pressure. It's like what you're saying. When you, it, it, you're setting yourself up for failure over and over. If, if this level of perfection sits over, like hovers over a relation, any relationship, and it, it really doesn't do you, do you well, you know, and just that is, you, you really can't do that. And I think like, I don't know, but I just feel like guys sometimes don't ask girls out because the reality is, is if you're going to get into a relationship, you got to like, you're going to start getting vulnerable. You're going to start like opening the door to some things in your life that you're not really proud of. And I, I wonder how much like guys um, are, are, it's their safe place to not really step into those areas, you know? And so again, it's looking at people as broken humans versus like, you know, an arrogant or like, um, you don't think I'm attractive. You don't think that I'm that like, so like taking a step back. I think if we could get around more of the, Hey, we're all flawed and broken and, um, mm -hmm. we're, we're all kind of hurting because the reality I'm a, I'm a pastor here and, and I meet with people all day long. I meet with guys all day long. Jordan meets with the girls. I meet with the guys. I don't meet just so mm -hmm. we are clear. <laughs> but it's not like we're having coffee dates with a bunch of girls. But all <laughs> what I'm hanging with, like that is everybody, when you get to the core of why everyone's acting the way they are or the, what the, the surface level issues are, it's so much deeper because everyone is broken and hurting. Oh. And, and it's just a constant thing. Like, every coffee I can dig deep and get into like, Oh, this is why you act this way. And same way in a relationship, like people don't, why it's a scary thing to step in and go, I'm really going to like, Oh, this person's going to know a lot about me if we really go there, you know, it's yeah. a thing. And what do you think is, um, for guys at least, or just in your perspective with all the men that you meet with, I'm sure constantly, what do you feel like is their biggest fear in relationship? Were they afraid of being found out? Um, yeah. What, what do you think that is? I think that there's still, I think a big thing is like for guys who are in a relationship, I think it's that it is that fear of like, um, can I be vulnerable with her? Can she handle like, if I tell her this about me and, um, mm -hmm. you know, Jordan, I also do a lot of premarital counseling with, younger couples. And as we're doing even that, like, um, we're meeting with these people and you just hear constantly of just like, well, they don't know you, they, things come out in those meetings that, that 
right? They haven't mm-hmm. person yet. And you're like, you're, you're, you're on the, like, you're getting married in months and you don't know this yet. Mm-hmm. Like, how come? And it, again, it's like, I don't know that that person could handle, like, if I were to say this. Well, the reality is, is when you get married, there is nothing off the table. Like, it's all going to come out at some point. Like, anything from your past, any, any of your, your, you know, your insecurities, any, any of those things will be laid on the table in marriage. Like, you can't live with somebody 24-7 and, like, that not happen. So um, I do think that guys have a hard time just opening that door up and going, hey, these are the things that I struggle with because and, – and on the flip side, I think it, it, they have a fear that there's not a safe place to do that. Like if, if a guy says to a girl, hey, I struggle with porn, Can a, is a girl going to – like the guy's fear might be, like, I, she, can she handle hearing that? Or is she going to personalize that and think that that's all about her not being enough? Mm-hmm. Or can she, is she going to be able to see like, this has just been a struggle in my life. Like that I, that mm-hmm. I've fought because I saw something that was laying around our house when I was little or, you know, like, and that, that doesn't necessarily relate to her, but is she going to personalize that? And that's mm-hmm. the safe place that I'm referring to over and over. of Just like both sides creating a safe place. Of like, Hey, you can share this with me. And it may be hard for me. Like that we don't need to negate that it's going to be hard. Maybe hearing some things, but I'm, I want you to know that I'm broken too, and we're going to work through this. And then, like, just letting those things not be personalized. And I, that's a hard thing for um, with the guys that I'm hanging with, just talking to, and you know, trying to say, hey, like they're gonna, everyone's gonna find out about everything anyway. Like at some, point, that's going to come right. out, and it does you no good to hide in secrecy. But the problem is we all walk into yeah. church and we act like we're perfect. And, and, and that is not how I just don't, I just know the beauty on the other side of like not doing that and everyone going, Hey, here's who I really am. And like sharing that and letting the, the, as a church, like when we step in on a Sunday, then even for me as a worship leader, when I'm leading worship and I'm leading with these guys on stage or like seeing people in the crowd that I'm looking at, like it makes it every moment of a Sunday when we're worshiping together or whatever, like so much sweeter because we've gone to these new levels where we're like, I don't know your story. Like and it's covered by grace, just like my story is covered by grace. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. And, but anyway, yeah. I think that's a, a fear guys. So let's just talk about like the issue of porn. Then I can only imagine what that would be like to share like this, like super painful yeah. struggle. And what would you say to a woman who a, a guy confesses, Hey, like, this is something that is going on in my life. This is something I'm struggling with. Like, I think for so many women, that's like, Oh, that's a deal breaker. Yeah. Like, what would you say to look for in a guy to know like, okay, is this as a woman, is it safe for me to stay in this relationship? How do I know that he's trustworthy? Like, how do I know? Yeah. Um, like, how do I know it's safe to, to, go through in that because I can just see like what a a crap storm must come up in that conversation because of course a woman is gonna feel impacted by that and I have seen porn destroy marriages in my life or in my friends lives and because it wasn't brought up or it was brought up and then not dealt with and so like in marriage, you're saying nothing is off the table, but in dating, we're still trying to figure out like, is this person a person that I want to go through that yeah, stuff exactly. with? I think that 
if a girl were to hear that, first thing I'd want them, I would want to say, by sitting across the table from her, I'd want to say, this is not a personalized thing. This is not about, this is, this, this doesn't really involve you. I think that that's a hard thing to swallow because you girls, I, I just my experience from hearing and counseling people, it, it's the, it's the lie of the enemy instantly for, for a girl to hear. I'm not good enough. I'm insecure. My body's not right. Like go through all of it. Right. Every girl, that's just kind of like how the enemy hits them. It's like, you're not good enough. Well, that's not true. So first and foremost, don't listen to that. You are good enough. So that that's like first and foremost. But then in reference to what you're talking about with like um, how, what a girl looks for, I think that's very important. But then on the other side, I would um, also want to caution a girl. The things to look for that I would say are, does that guy have great friendships around him that you are, you are seeing those guys push him closer to Christ and pushing him in that issue and pushing it like that you actually see him talking to them about it and um and really fighting over it you know if it's going to counseling for it if it's um meeting with an older man who might be a mentor of that guy's um and 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 that girl needs to know those things like that she doesn't Mm -hmm. see that in him that's a really good indication of what her life might look like with this person if he's willing to like fight through the hard things or if he's not so it's a great warning sign to a girl if he's not meeting and have that have that has that community around him and then I also like, especially like just on the issue with porn, like I look at our sins a lot. Like, you know, we, we really like to say like, al- like alcohol or like alcoholic would be like, that's like this big sin thing. But the thing that, it, it, but the thing about that is like, you know, sobriety periods get longer and longer in between. And that's those and for me, I look at like a lot of like guys struggles, including porn and go, is it if they're, um, if the victories are longer and longer, you know, if it's, uh, if it, if it used to be the guy, you know, says, Hey, I look at it all the time. And then it's been six mm-hmm. months and I, I had a slip up. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that's, that to me is a victory and sobriety of like what he's moving towards. And then it becomes like, you know, and that's not, a, that is in no way an excuse that it's okay. Or you should expect that, Oh, that guy's going to look at it again, you know? But, I, but mm-hmm. I do say that in saying, if you're looking for signs of like, how do you, you know, this guy, this is his, his struggle. What are the signs that I can move closer in with him and believe that he's changing and that he's working on it is I think those are signs mm-hmm. like that there's longer sobriety periods from it, uh, that he's got really great community around him and that he's willing to talk through it and really fight for holiness in his life. Because if you don't want to fight in that area and he just keeps saying, hey, I did it again, you know, and you're like, who are you talking to? No one. Are you like, when was last week? Well, it was like two weeks ago. I did it. Like, that's just an undisciplined person who that trickles into every other area of their life. Like if they're not disciplined, you don't want them. Like every, every guy needs to be a disciplined person in every area of their life. And um, that, that just shows that they're fighting for something greater. That's really wise. And I think really helpful just to hear like some specific things to like, for a girl listening to this to hang their hat on. I mean, I think, I don't know what people are going to think when I say this. I used to think a long time ago, like porn was like the unforgivable sin or infidelity, this unforgivable sin. And the older I get, the more, not that I want, I'm not saying like these things are okay or sin is okay. Infidelity is okay. Addiction is okay. I really don't think that, but I can see how 
if you get disconnected from the Lord, you get disconnected from yourself, disconnected from community, like, and then you get in the perfect recipe for like, you're isolated, whatever. I'm like, yeah, like I see mistakes being, of course, a mistake is going to be made. And it's not like if the mistake is going to be made, whether that's like gossip, whether it's slander, whether it's like addiction, like, I think it's what we do when Mm -hmm. we fall. And I don't want to minimize the pain that stuff like addiction causes on to all parties and all people involved. But yeah, I just wonder like, what would it be if it, if we like looked at, okay, what's the posture of that person's heart when it happens? Because their heart broken, are they seeking wholeness? And I mean, just like what you're saying, like, is that person willing to fight for holiness in their life? And I think that even when you say, when you're saying that, I feel like this, a theme that as coming out in this conversation is like, now when we look at it like that, it's like, again, once again, we're like on this equal playing field. Like here we are, two broken people um, trying to navigate this. And is it safe to navigate it together? Yeah, for sure. And that just takes time to learn that person, to learn their friends, to learn, you know, I'm a firm believer that when you're dating somebody, you're not just dating them, you're dating their family, their friends. Like you're looking around going, is this is this a really healthy, safe place that I see that I could step into? So just kind of wrapping up here, Jeff, if you had one word of wisdom, encouragement, advice to a woman listening to this that feels discouraged about dating and feels even maybe hopeless about dating in Christian culture, what would you say to her? I would want that girl to hear First and foremost, that she should not settle because she is worth it. She is absolutely perfect the way that God has made her and all of her flaws and everything. So it it is not, I would want her to know that she does not need to bring some jerk into her life that's just to have a guy in her life. Hmm. I I would want her to strive for, hey, yes, it it is some, I, I want a guy who is fighting for me and loving me, and that girl is worth that. So that's the first thing I'd want to say to her. And then I'd want to say, hey, also remember that you are flawed. And so is the guy that you are interested in or dating or, you know, engaged to. And as you are learning more and more of those flaws, that God's grace for for you covers everything on you. And it also covers that other person. And you can't be their God. You cannot be the Holy Spirit for them. You cannot them over their sin. You can pray that God would do that, but you can't do that for them. And so you need to step back and where you might be tend, to, you know, tend to like lean in and go, "Hey, did you? Are you doing this, this, and this?" That just might seem come off like nagging to the guy. And what you need to do is get on your knees and pray for that guy if you're really that interested in in him, and believe that God can change it, and that God would the Holy the Holy Spirit would convict him in the area that you see he needs conviction, and maybe don't call those out, but maybe just ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Then when you see that happen, it makes it so much sweeter when you see God change him and you know it's the Lord changing him. And it's not you changing that person because you modifying his behaviors, going into a a lifelong commitment together is not going to be the thing that lasts. The thing that lasts is God changing that person from the inside out. And that's what you really want. And it, it may, and you know that that's what you really, really want. And so don't settle for the temporary fix, but go for like the guy who's actually going to do the lifelong commitment and, and pray for him. 
and believe that God ha- can do that miracle in his life. And I think that's the sweetness of a relationship. Ah, that's so good. So encouraging, Jeff. Yeah. Well, thank-, thank you so much for just sharing your heart, sharing your story with Jordan and yeah, yeah opening up just some really, I feel like such practical insight. So thank you so much. Cause sometimes we can like talk a lot about theory yeah. and then I walk away from conversations. I'm like, but what can I hang my hat on? And I feel like yeah. there's so much, yeah. there's so many like good takeaways here. So, um, so thank you. Um, before we hop off, is there a way that people can follow along with what you're up to your ministry, your church, all those good things? Instagram is basically the main thing that, um, Instagram, Jeff E. Johnson. It looks like Hefe Johnson, but it's Jeff E. Johnson on Instagram. (laughs) I think that's like, you want to see our life, our family, our kids, our uh, everything that we do. That's uh, that's the best place for for me. Great. Great. Well, thank you again. And we'll chat soon. Awesome. That sounds great. Thanks, Kat. All right. Bye. Oh man, Jeff Johnson is so full of wisdom. I love hearing how him and his wife got together after 10 years of on and off dating. You guys, there's hope for anyone, right? One of the things that I loved about what he said when talking about creating a culture of honor and dating is extending grace. He says, extend grace to the guy that you're walking with because they are broken. Sometimes we need to just remember that we all have a past. We all have brokenness in our lives. We all have wounds. We all have baggage we're bringing into whatever relationship it is, romantic, platonic, anything in between. And it's not productive to expect perfection from the other person. I just wonder how much our dating lives and dating culture would change if we remembered that every single person is on the same playing field and we all need grace. Thank you so much, Jeff Johnson, for that wisdom. Now, next week on the That's What He Said series, you are in for a treat. We have LA actor Matt Jones. And the fun part of this conversation is this is a never before heard archived conversation. Every single one of these other episodes has been published before on the Refined Collective a couple years ago, except this one. Here's why I think you're really going to want to listen to my conversation with Matt Jones. He is the oldest single dude in this series, coming in hot. He's in his late 30s. In fact, I'm not 100% sure he might be 40 by the time this episode goes live. And I think it's really important to talk with guys that are in their late 30s, early 40s, and past about singleness, because the reality is they're going to have a different perspective than someone who's dating in their 20s. Jared Nickerson was an incredible guest. He's in his mid-20s. Matt Jones has been down the block a few times. And fun fact, after this episode was recorded, he started dating someone seriously. They are still dating today. So I think he has some pretty solid dating advice to give us. So ladies, listen up. Until next week, go ahead and join me over on Instagram, The Refined Woman. I would love to hear from you. Send me some DMs. Go ahead and slide on in there. Ask me questions, comments, any other topics you want to be hearing about on the podcast. I am here for it. 
As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more.